Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus. Coming to you on Thursday, the 11th of May, 2023. This is episode 415. Wow, where has the time gone? I'll tell you where it's gone. (laughs) Most of it down the rabbit hole. Into oblivion. Well, I don't have an episode title at the moment. Uh, I do know what I want to talk about, though. <sighs> talked about yesterday uh, the disappointment of the former Representative Slayton. I spent Monday and Tuesday talking about mourning, uh, respectively, over uh, electoral losses. Uh, I got to be honest, most of them were expected, but a number of them were not and quite surprising actually and a couple went to runoffs that never ever should have been a runoff there's lots of things you could say about it i think i covered it on monday and then you know tuesday i dealt with the horror that was going on literally five minutes from my house uh down one road and Yesterday, you know, I tried to be upbeat and positive and I, I managed it for 15 minutes of a 30 minute episode. So, uh, for what it was worth, but the, the devastation of things that you hold dear coming in threes, if you will. Well, today I want to talk about some other things that have gone on. Um, I'm not going to get uber specific. It's not hard. It's not hard if you live in the area or you're familiar with the things I've done and the people I know to figure out who some of these people are. I am purposely not going to use any names because this isn't meant to be a call out or an attack or in any way, shape or form, uh, starting or continuing, uh, a conflict. It's just dismay is the only way I can look at it for some things that have occurred. So, uh, as some of you who have been following along for some time know, I'm a little bit politically active. I'm a little involved. I'm only slightly opinionated, and I have a bit of a personality. Um, and I don't like being pushed around, and most of the time, those people that try and push me around are not very successful. But, especially in person, I am quite agreeable, amiable, and willing to work out profitable solutions for everybody or compromises that nobody has to sacrifice their principles and can get basically what they want within reason. I mean, obviously you can't do that with progressives. You can't do that with people that aren't negotiating in good faith. But when you talk to somebody in good faith and they tell you the, they really are concerned about this thing or that thing, and they're willing to compromise and get this. And you know, this is what's most important to them, right? The idea that everybody gets to walk away with everything that's most important, but had to give something and it hurt just a little bit. That That's a good compromise. That's a, that's a good deal for everybody. Typically, typically. So when I reflect upon the last, let's call it nearly six months of dealing with a municipal election race that I kind of had my hands tied, right? Um, I endorsed the idea that every um, challenger should be supported and voted for. 
I didn't endorse any specific candidates with the exception of Tom Meredith. Uh, unfortunately, at this time, he didn't win, uh, but we may end up with a runoff. Uh, I'm hopeful, but I'm not going to lose. You know, I'm not going to hold my breath on that. We're talking about uh, like, I don't know, 45 or 50 votes uh, was the difference. And I endorsed uh, the uh, college board races because those are pretty straightforward. And I happen to know two of the three and have met the third. And quite frankly, they're pretty impressive people and they do a good job. And, you know, they talk about frequently how good the community college is. And yet those people just fell short. And I'd like to say it's complacency. I'd like to say it's apathy. I'd like to say any number of things. But the fact of the matter is the people that should care apparently don't care. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to dwell on the negative there. I'm just saying that it was disappointing. It's frustrating. And I wasn't even fully bought into this cycle because there were some conflicts. I, I've talked a little bit about that. Right. And I, and I tried to stay out of the middle of them. I, I tried to stay positive. I tried to um, split the baby, for lack of a better word or better phraseology. Right. Uh there was no good answer on at least two or three cases. And then trying to work behind the scenes to come up with a probable solution to prevent some of the outcomes that we got was shut down, gobbled up by people for their own reasons. And again, pretty disappointed because we're on the same team. Ideally, we want the same things or at least the same outcome to disregard, dismiss, and quite frankly, create animosity was unnecessary, uncalled for and counterproductive to, to watch what was once a very solidly conservative County drift into the, uh, mediocrity of purpleness, if you will, has been distressing and disappointing, but it is a common practice. The, denser the population gets, the larger the population gets, and quite frankly, the younger the population gets. Honestly, a lot of this falls on we, the parents and the grandparents. If you let your kids go to Rome to be educated by Romans, you should not be surprised when they come back as Romans. To paraphrase Vodi Bakum. I'm here to tell you that if you value liberty... You have to act on it. You have to invest in it. You have to do what is necessary in order to protect and expand liberty. So I know a few people that are working on that very thing in the state of Texas. One particular person, I wouldn't say I know them particularly well, but I've worked with them for a while. I respect the heck out of what they're doing. Um, I think it's very important. Uh, We might disagree on some details, but by and large, they have an effective organization and they're doing good work. And though I'm no longer partnering with them for anything specifically at this time, that doesn't mean that I don't respect and appreciate what they're trying to accomplish. 
So I was a bit dismayed when a former member of the same team decided to go after one of the founders, one of the leaders of this team in such a way that honestly, I find beneath contempt. You don't air dirty laundry. You don't go after people personally on social media. I don't care what your motivation is. I don't care (coughs) what you think you're gaining. Stuff like that should not be available to the general public. Now, fortunately, I don't think anything intimately detail-ish was put out one way or the other, but the response was telling. Someone referred to it as scorched earth. Well, obviously, when you cross a line, a fighter is going to fight back. A fighter is not going to hold back. They're going to go for the jugular. And I don't blame them. It's appropriate. Somebody that was a confidant, somebody that you trusted, somebody that you worked with, if they turn on you and do it in such a way that there was no discussion beforehand and it's just a quick shiv in the back, that person needs to be dealt with. And it looks as if that's happening. It looks like it's going to sort itself out, but it's disappointing because both people involved in this are damaged. One's probably going to get far worse than the other. And honestly, not surprised. Um, I know both individuals, again, not super well, but well enough to know that if I was going to pick sides, um, I know which way I would go. (laughs) But again, what was gained by this? Nothing. It was pointless. And in my own life, an individual that I had worked with, helped, encouraged for quite some time, didn't get a response from me that was either expected or demanded. And we parted ways over that. And I was kind of at peace with it. I mean, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't what was best in my opinion. But in the end, it probably saved me a lot of headaches When you attack me personally, there's a range of thoughts that go through my head. Fortunately, when they're not well-timed or they fall flat, it's pretty easy to blow them off. But, But it's disappointing in many ways, because as friends, as allies, you're supposed to be able to disagree on some things. You're, you're supposed to be able to not be a hundred percent in lockstep and still be on the same team. And, and it's frustrating because I'm my own person that, you know, that's kind of the number one rule, right? Everybody I know, everybody I work with, they kind of do, they, they kind of know where I'm coming from. I'm my own person. I'm not going to make you do anything. So you darn well ought to not expect me to do something. Now, if you ask me, hey, Stephen, we could use your help on this. Or, hey, Stephen, what do you think about this? And I say, yeah, you know what? That's a good idea. I had help. Or, you know what? That's a good idea. But I am not the best person for that. Go talk to this person. Or I'm going to set this out, but this person could probably help you or help you better. That's my way of being there for you. That's my way of helping 
without hurting. But the sad thing is, is apparently that got lost. So as I deal with that, if I, if I look at that, so the problem is, is it worth me engaging? Fighting back, as it were. Obviously, it's not at the same level. Obviously, it hasn't been made public on social media. Obviously, it's quite frankly, kind of petty. So I do what I usually do, blow it off, right? I, uh, <laughs> I've i talked about this before. You know, I have a number of friends that uh, say I have an annoyingly amazing ability to blow things off and just not let it get to me. And I usually tell them that, well, I've had a lifetime of practice. <laughs> oh, and that's not to say things don't get to me. They do. That's not to say that things aren't annoying or hurtful. They are. It's just that I can't fix the problem. I can't change what the other person has done or is going to do. And as long as it doesn't cause me permanent damage, as long as it's not coming after my wife or my kids, I just kind of let it go. Oh, I'll stew on it later. It it may even wake me up in the middle of the night, but there's no reason to fight about it. There's no reason to get mad. There's no reason to go to get revenge or anything like that. But again, most of these things are rather simple. They're not, they're not that challenging. So I'm, I'm looking around and I see this stuff and I'm like, you know, we are dealing with a bunch of people that we're on the same team with and they're arguing and fighting over petty differences. You knew where I was going with this, right? Petty differences are the destruction of what we've been able to accomplish in Collin County. As we begin to become purple, for lack of a better word, we, the party, decided, I know, let's purge the party. You know what would be better? We should become even more hard right. Now, granted, and, I, and I've been quite honest about this with anybody and everybody I talk to, I am probably far more liberty-oriented than the vast, vast majority of people I know and deal with on a day-to-day basis. Now, I do know a few libertarians that got me beat. But other than that, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with them. But you know what? The vast majority of the general public ain't having it. They don't want it. So why would I try and push that? Why, why would I invest a whole lot of time and energy trying to get something done that's never, ever going to happen? Why not invest my time and energy on the umpteen things that I agree with my right-wing friends or my conservative friends, my Christian friends, we agree on so many things. And I spend a lot of time checking my ego, checking my personal opinion and working with them to help them accomplish something that we agree upon. Something, something that we can both benefit from. In fact, something that's generally good for either the County or the state. But then, without fail, there's the one or two little things that maybe we don't quite agree on, and I'm the bad guy. Because I don't immediately kowtow and give them what they want on this thing, or that thing. How does that work? I thought at least on the Republican side of the aisle, the conservatives, we, we understood and valued individual expression, individuality, independence. But it seems to me, 
a good number of our own team doesn't quite grasp that. Perhaps it's the progressive influx in everything and everywhere. Perhaps it's just the innate yankiness of all Americans at this point, because, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, the Yankees did win that darn war, and I don't think we're any better for it. But, well, I shouldn't say that. I would imagine there's 12% of the population that is pretty darn excited about it, and with good reason. So setting that part aside, which is maybe a little tone deaf on my part, but generally, I don't think, aside from that major, major issue, how about that, that the long-term outcomes were all that great. And actually, I would say that even those people that did get an immediate general benefit of the outcome of the war actually had it worse in many areas of this country after the war. But that's another story. Go listen to Brian McClanahan about that. He can tell you all about it. But on the grand scheme of things, everything going to the center, everything being dominated by one thought process, everything being required to be in lockstep does not allow for individuality. It does not allow for the flowering of thought. So I've given you two examples, one one being myself, of situations where things broke relationships over a difference of opinion or um, a perceived problem. And rather than getting it handled behind the scenes like adults, uh, at least in one case, it went to social media. In the other case, it was quasi-public. And what was gained? Nothing. Both sides get damaged or hurt. That's not productive. That That's not helpful. When I look at the way forward, I look at how do we get from Texas being one of the least sucky states in these United States. And these United States are probably one of the least sucky countries in the world how, how do we make it better, right? I, setting aside the whole stigma of make it great again, right? Just let's, let's look at how do we improve Texas? How do we make Texas better? Do you honestly believe that Texas is made better if we go back to murdering children in the womb? Do you honestly think we are making Texas better right now by letting hundreds of thousands of people coming here from other countries that don't show our don't share our values or our language? Do you think that's what's best for Texas? Do you honestly think it's best for Texas to sexualize little children and have perverts dancing in front of them? Do you honestly think it's best for Texas that um, we don't respect life and we don't respect property? Now, I'm guessing at the point, at this point, most of you are like, heck no, those are all terrible. Yes, they are. And we all agree on those things. So why can't we put aside the other petty things that we don't agree about and focus on the things that actually can be changed and fixed right here, right now? Now, I know there's some of the people in my audience that actually aren't on board with Texas independence. You know what? That's fine. It's a-okay. Uh, we had a speaker last night at Collin County Patriots, and she said, you know, the person or the group that I work with the most is COS. We're good buddies. We want the same kinds of things. 
We're just looking at doing it in different ways. You know what? I got to tell you, the COS people work their tails off and I appreciate what they're trying to do. I think they're opening Pandora's box, but I appreciate what they're trying to do. They think and they're trained to believe they're going to fix these United States. They're going to help Texas. I can appreciate that a lot. Anybody that's willing to fight for Texas, whether it's for an independent Texas or just a independently thinking Texas or a strong Texas, there's somebody on my team. And unless they outright betray me, they're on my team. I'm going to give them a lot of grace. I'm going to give them a lot of room. I'm going to want to work with them on the things we agree with. And just remember they're on my team the other times. That's what the Republican Party is supposed to be like. I think that one of the biggest takeaways I've had in the last few weeks is, you know, there's a reason there's a whole bunch of denominations of churches because everybody's got their way of worshiping God. And that's just in Christianity. There's a whole lot of people out there. I'm going to use this term and I love it, but there's a whole lot of pagans out there (laughs) And, and they all do what they think is best. And we as Christians believe they're wrong, but to a certain account, I respect their option to do that. Now, there's something to be said for tolerance. There's something to be said about the dominant religion not feeling the need to push down the others. That should also hold true for the dominant political discourse, the dominant uh, society, right? The, the dominant culture. If you're doing a good job and you're making it attractive to other people, if you're putting forth a positive presence, people will aspire to be like you. They'll want to mirror what you're doing. They will see it as an ideal, an idea that they should want to desire. And once upon a time, that was us the so-called city on the hill. But I think we traded that in for military dominance. I think we traded that in for cultural dominance with a lot of soft power, which was abuse and money, bribery. And we lost the shine. We, We lost the ideal. Who wants to deal with the United States that's basically an empire in all but name? Who wants to deal with these United States when we're hypocritical and abusive all the time. Who wants to deal with these United States when we just make things happen if you don't do what we want? I mean, it's something to consider, right? As as we've turned now, right? We're we're looking at well, what exactly happened? How do we get there? And how do these small differences metastasize into huge problems? And I'm going to tell you, if you don't address the issue, if you don't fix the issue, if you don't have the ability to say, you know what, that's just not that important. They grow and they get worse. They, they destroy the very organization they're in. Now, I don't know if you've ever read, uh, the fountainhead or Atlas shrugged, but in Atlas shrugged, it tells the story of a guy that uh, I'm sorry, it's the fountainhead. It tells the story of the guy that's an architect and there's his rival, if you will, that owns the newspaper. 
And the newspaper is eaten out and rotted out from the inside. Coincidentally, it happened in the personnel department that we now know as the HR department, courtesy of one guy who sought to undermine and remove the owner of the paper by inserting his people and making recommendations to personnel of certain people that he should hire. So you have to be very careful on what you work with and who you let in the door and you allow for minor differences. You say, well, you know, that's not that important. But if somebody is actually actively working against you, somebody's looking to undermine you, there's really only one way to deal with it. When I look at the fact that we have nearly a two-thirds majority in both the Texas House and the Texas Senate, and we can't get anything predictive, or not predictive, uh, <laughs> we can't predictably get anything done. When I look at the fact that we have dominated the culture and the politics of Texas for over 20 years, and we're only marginally better on a number of things than the other states around us, I have to wonder, what are we working for? What are we hoping to accomplish? What was the point? Now, I understand that we could be so much worse, right? If if we would have carried forward with some of the things that went on prior to, oh, I don't know, George W. and then... Uh, Rick Perry, where would we be then? Those are fair questions. But they also seem to get the things that were important to them done. So maybe that's what we're not observing. What is it that our leadership finds worthy of getting done? What is it that they put their interest and their efforts into? If they're still on our team, they're on our team. We got to allow for these differences and If they're leading well, they're going to be giving us something more than a little crumb. But is anything gained, you ask, by going after these people publicly? Is there anything gained by talking smack about them all the time? In short, I think yes. (laughs) These people are in power. They need to be reminded that they're in power because we put them there and we need them to do certain things. And if they're not going to listen to us when we call, they're not going to listen to us when we write letters, they're not going to listen to us when we go and visit them down in Austin, you have to take other avenues to go after them. You have to step it up a notch. You have to hold them accountable. Unfortunately, they've also changed the rules to the game. They've also stacked the deck against us. So I wonder, might we ought to use those constitutionally delegated powers to push back. Might we not uh, take advantage of the idea that there's interposition? Might we not push back at some of the abuses from the state level to perhaps train up and encourage the state to push back at the abuses from the federal level? I wonder how that might play out. I wonder I wonder if it's worth the effort. I wonder if we could work together long enough and put aside our petty differences long enough to make that difference. I think about this and I think about what does the future hold? And even in my perfect world, right? That's not going to happen, but Three steps removed from that would be 
we achieved Texas independence and we are the lampstand of liberty for the entire former United States and the rest of the world. And we lead by example and not abuse. But how do we get there? How do we make these changes? Where do we start? Who makes those decisions to improve those changes? These are all very valid questions. So I think next week I'm going to do um, a review of the book that I finished, which was uh, <clears throat> Rules for Reformers by Mr. Douglas Wilson. And after I finish that, um, I'm reading a break novel, right? Something to uh, just relieve the uh, <laughs> relieve the uh, nonfiction stuff for just uh, for a few days. And then I'm going to be jumping into the Christian nationalism book by Mr. Stephen Wolf. I think they're in some way a companion to each other. And I really am curious to see how he vets that out, how he makes sense of it. And look, not everything's going to be applicable. Uh, my understanding, he has a, a Presbyterian point of view. And, uh, you know, I'm just not down with the pedo baptism. I'm credo all the way. But, you know we got to be open to having those discussions, having those arguments, having the thought put into it. And in case you're wondering, no, I don't want a Protestant Pope. <laughs> and uh, look, that's just where we're at. I'm going to try and hit uh, it on the high note here and on the high note here. Stay positive. All is not lost. We can fix these fractures. We can move past them. We can heal up and move on. We have uh, God in heaven, Christ is on his throne, and even though we take uh, hits and setbacks here on earth, in the end he wins, and we're going along for the ride. Until then, let's occupy. Until then, I will see you on the other side.